0: You know, last week we studied the reason that Jesus' disciples basically left him alone to die on the cross. And that reason was, his closest followers, his friends, stopped believing that he could do anything for them. You see, all along they thought that he would add to their story. They thought that he would make them rise and they would be first and foremost in his coming kingdom. But as the hours passed, it looked less and less like he could even do anything for himself, let alone do something for them. And so by the time he's left hanging on a cross, dying the most shameful death contrived at that point in history, there were two people left, Jesus' mother and his best friend. Everyone else had abandoned him. Everybody else. All those people he'd healed, all those people he'd touched. Where was the blind man who he he spit on the dirt and, and rubbed on his face? Where was The crippled man who who he made walk where was the man whose son he healed where was the roman soldier who he made his servant live even from a distance where were all these people where were his closest followers everyone stopped believing that he could do anything for them you know the the gospels don't give us a whole lot of detail about what was going on on saturday Especially with the disciples. They don't tell us too much. They say that eventually the disciples finally gathered together in a room. Now, what happened prior to that, we're not sure. It doesn't really tell us. It doesn't say where they were. It doesn't tell us if they were in their homes hiding. It doesn't tell us if they they went off in, in the boat to go fishing again. We know they were afraid. Because John 20 and verse 19 tells us that they eventually come together and they, they find themselves behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish people that they might come for them. I kind of imagine that they had some sort of previously agreed-upon safe house. I don't know where that would have been. I don't think it probably would have been where they had the Last Supper because they may have feared that Judas would have given up that location when he gave up Jesus. Are you following me there? So probably they had another friend's home that they thought was in a discreet location or a secret location. And I want you to picture these disciples. They close the doors and they lock them. They're they're huddling around in silence. Every creak of the door, every noise outside, they're jumping up and, and pulling back the curtain to see what's going on outside because they're expecting at any moment that the Roman soldiers will come for them too. everything's locked down. Maybe they had a secret knock. I don't know. So they would know when there was a knock on the door, they would know it was one of them and they would open that door. But I want you to think about this and think of the irony here. Jesus has just died on the cross and his cross was his throne. He has claimed power over every principality and power on the entire universe And they're hiding. Christ has won the victory on Calvary's cross and they are in hiding. I want you to read with me in Colossians chapter 2 what Paul has to say about what Jesus accomplished on Calvary's cross. Colossians chapter 2 in verse 13. We could pick out a number of different passages, but let's look at this one. And you who were dead in your trespasses, your sins, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Let me ask you this question Do the disciples look very alive in this moment? (laughs) They don't, do they? They're hiding, they're fearing for their lives. Friends, I want to ask you the question today. Do your sins lock you down? Do your addictions hold you back? Do the stresses and cares of this world make you locked down in a room so that you can't live life to its fullest? I want to tell you something today. Jesus' sacrifice has given us victory over all of our trespasses, all of our addictions, all of our sins, and all of our sorrows. There is nothing that can lock us down. You know, the disciples thought God was silent. They thought that the Messiah that they had believed in, it was just another one in the story who came and went and died, and they were wrong to believe in him. They were wrong. They believed it was just another false Messiah who had come on the scene, or maybe at best he was like an Isaiah or a Jeremiah. Time would tell. But here they were hiding, and they weren't living their lives. They let their sins get the best of them. Their shame and their guilt, they felt ashamed that they had followed him. Peter showed us that. Ashamed that he would be known as one of Jesus' followers. No, I'm not one of them. You must be mistaken. He denied him three times. They felt ashamed to be associated with Christ. This passage goes on. Verse 13, "...and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses." By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Think of your worst day. Think of your trials and your tribulations and your pain. When Jesus was on the cross, he had you on his mind. The disciples should not have been hiding. They should have been rejoicing. For what God had done for them. Verse 15. He disarmed. He what? Disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. The Bible is telling us that Christ was victorious over every king, over every governor, over every soldier, over every general. He put them to open shame. There is none that can stand before Him and claim any power whatsoever. And His disciples are hiding. They're hiding. They're worried that they're next. They're worried that if they open that door, the soldiers will come rushing in. God had given them a new start. Jesus had put to shame every ruler and principality and power, yet they were hiding. I want to ask us an important question today or a few important questions today. Are we hiding disciples? Do we say we believe, but we hide our faith so no one can see it? When the Lord asks us to do something, we say, you know, I can't do that. That's not me. It's not my gift, Lord. I can't, I can't talk to that. When the Lord, you feel the Lord pulling you to a closer relationship with him, do you say, no, there's too many other important things in my life. I can't go there. When he wants to confront you about your sins or your trials or your addictions to give you victory over them, to help you really live life unshackled, do you hide You see, it sounds, sometimes it even feels like God's silent when we're praying our prayers and they don't seem to be answered and we think God's powerless, he can do nothing for us. But I want you to know something. On that holy Sabbath, on that Saturday when Jesus was crucified, it seemed like God was silent. But what we are to learn from that is that God, even though it seems like he's silent, can be performing incredible, powerful, powerful, In universe changing miracles, even when we think he's silent, that's what the grave teaches us. Are we hiding disciples? Do we expect our church to just be mediocre and mundane and decaying? Are we hiding disciples? Do we believe our sins and and addictions are too great to overcome? Are we hiding disciples? we're not able to share our faith? Are we hiding disciples that we're not able to make a stand in our workplace or or, or in our personal lives or in our marriages? Are we hiding disciples? I want you to think about that. That scene. The gates and doors were barred and all the windows were fastened down. They spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound, half in hopeless sorrow, half in fear of the day that they would find the soldiers crashing through to drag them all away. Then just before the sunrise, I, I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle, and a voice, a voice began to call. I hurried to the window and looked down to the street, expecting swords and torches the sound of soldiers feet there was no one there but Mary so I went down to let her in John stood there beside me and she told us where she'd been she said they've moved him in the night and none of us knows where the stone has been rolled away and his body isn't there we both ran toward the garden and John ran on ahead. We found the stone and empty tomb just the way that Mary said. we. The winding sheet they'd wrapped him in was just, just an empty shell. How or where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Something strange had happened there, but what I, I did not know. John believed a miracle, but... I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high, because I'd seen them crucify him. And then I watched him die. Back inside the house again, all the, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I'd promised him just added to my shame. But at last, it came to choices. I denied I knew his name. And even if he was alive, it would never be the same. But suddenly, the air was filled with such a strange and sweet perfume. Light came from everywhere and it drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. And I fell down on my knees and I clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet. And as I looked into his eyes, love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt in my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I've ever had, just melted into peace. He's alive! He's alive! He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive! He's alive! He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive! He's alive. We are sons And heirs. No power in this earth can claim us. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing in this world has power over us. How then shall we live? We live as if morning has come. We are not living in the era of a dead Messiah, we are living in the era of the conquering living King. He's alive. Why would we hide? Why would we not be victorious? Why would we live as if our Messiah is dead? We live because He is alive. He said to us, the harvest is plentiful. Meaning, it's already here. The church, we act as if souls can't be won. We act as if the church should... Has trouble being victorious. My friends, he said the harvest is already here, but the people to work the harvest are few. What's with all the waiting? He's alive. Miracles, victories, souls won, the church triumphant should be the norm, not the exception. Testimony should be click quick off from our lips to tell people what Christ has done for us. Baptism should be regular. Souls should be one. The world should be changed because Jesus is alive. We don't sit here waiting for something to happen. Something has already happened. Heaven has invaded earth because Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty Jesus is alive. Sometimes it does though feel like we're laboring in vain. The world gets the best of us. It gets down on us and we struggle and we wonder, Lord, is this all worth it? And then our minds stop. And we look into that tomb. He's not there. He's alive. He's a living And we know for a fact that our labor and our life is not in vain because he's alive. He is King of Kings. He is the risen Savior. He is the bread of life. He is the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He is God with us. He is the light of the world. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Messiah. He is the way. He is the Word. He is the water from the well that will never run dry. He is the Lamb of God. He is our peace. He is our rest. He is our King. Our King. He's alive. He's alive. Hosanna in the highest. He's alive. Fall at His feet. Shout and sing for joy. Our king has come, and he shall reign forever and ever.